Elon Musk has begun the liberation of the POWs of the meme war on Twitter. We are going to discuss it today. President Trump reinstated on Twitter. Many other conservatives also coming forth. We're going to get into all of it. But first, I want to let you guys know, I know we've been talking about America Fest, but this Friday, coming this Friday, it's the steal of the century. There's going to be a massive Black Friday sale on all general admission tickets for America Fest. It starts this Friday, and I'm told that it goes all the way through Cyber Monday. So that includes Cyber Monday. So we're talking midnight Thursday night, so right at the stroke of midnight on Friday, all the way through Cyber Monday. This is when you will want to purchase your tickets. So just wait. Friday is coming. Get your tickets. Amfest.com. Let's get into it. I think these polls are mostly a gimmick, and I would argue the people haven't spoken. The GRU has spoken. The, these uh, Twitter Russian has become, intelligence, you mean? Hundred percent. Twitter has become a playground for bad actors and fake bots. This poll is meaningless. This decision is meaningless. But you had predicted earlier that Twitter could collapse. Um, Twitter has become a playground for bots and Russian intelligence. Oh my gosh! Doesn't actually come up with any evidence of that but yeah we're just going to go and spread wild conspiracy theories because that's what we do on face the nation ladies and gentlemen welcome aboard tonight's edition of human events daily powered by turning point usa today is november 21st 2022 anno domini we have to talk about the continued muskening of twitter over the weekend as many people saw elon musk restored the account of president donald j trump to twitter now, Trump has failed to tweet. He's holding back. He's saying, I'm not going to do it. And that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that Trump isn't going to tweet yet because he's got Truth Social going. And of course, he also loves to keep people guessing. He loves the will he won't he. Will he won't he. What's he going to do? What's Trump's plan? That's where exactly he wants you. That's exactly where Trump wants you. He wants you in his world. And that's where we all are now. And Musk is tweeting memes, trying to bait Trump to come back on. But in addition to that, he's also bringing back lots of other conservative accounts and a few other liberal accounts as well. But of course, there aren't that many liberal accounts to bring back. And that's a function of the fact that only one side under old Twitter, only one side ever had the rules applied to them and only had the rules applied to them in such a broad and sweeping manner. And that was conservatives and in particular Trump supporters. If you're a Trump supporter, if you're a conservative on Twitter, you knew the rules applied to you in a way that they never applied to anybody else. One word, one sentence, one phrase taken out of context or said in any way, certainly in jest or sarcasm, boom, you're zapped forever. But we've got great accounts back. We've got ALX. We've got James Lindsay. We've got many, many more. So to help me break down who all has come back, I want to bring on Libby Emmons, who is back. Now, I'm back in D.C. She's back in New York. I was in Mexico. You were in Vegas over the weekend. Uh, you got to see President Trump's speech. President D.C., you saw DeSantis' speech as well, right? Yes. And before I was in Las Vegas, I was at Mar-a-Lago for the big announcement. Which and was at Mar-a-Lago. Wow. Exciting. Yes. It was quite, oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. quite the travel week. A little, little bit then, of yes, traveling. A little bit. It's a lot. And then, um, yes, I saw uh, Trump speak at the um, Republican Jewish Coalition, as well as Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis. 
Very cool. Very cool. And of mm -hmm. course, we're all going to find out what's going on between the two of them coming up. But getting back to Twitter, the musketing. Now, now, Libby, who else has been brought back online since uh, since last we checked? Well, we've got Marjorie Taylor Greene's personal account is back online. We have James Lindsay is back. Uh, of course, the Babylon Bee is back as well as um, Dr. Jordan Peterson is back. A really exciting one that I thought a major win for the free press was Project Veritas. Yes, also, Veritas. Huge. Wonderful. Huge. Yes. And another great one was um, Canadian feminist Megan Murphy, who was banned for calling a man him in 2018. So she used the wrong pronoun and she was banned. Yes, also, the great ALX, the great mm -hmm. ALX is back. Hopefully I can get maybe I have to get him on and talk about this at some point. But what's interesting about that one uh, as well, by the way, my friend Mike Morrison, Office of Mike, who you might remember, he's the guy that ran the mini AOC parody early mm. on. Um before any of it. it was the AOC press account and it was hilarious and hundred thousand followers destroyed. And then they took him down too. Um, so Mike Morrison is back. Very, very happy about that. ALX though. I asked him, I said, so did you have an open appeal? Did you have some kind of um, email forward? What was the process? He goes, you know what he actually said to me? He said, there's no process open whatsoever. It's literally somebody was on Twitter and was about to tweet out his name and then noticed that when they went to type at ALX, and that's exactly what it was, and ALX, he was OG MAGA 2016, one of the guys with us that was back there when it mattered, in the trenches, every day, meme war uh, veteran, meme war POW who has been in the gulags. He said he just saw his account was back. Nobody even told him anything, no phone call, no email, anything. He was literally just back. And so... Perhaps something that we're looking at, perhaps we're looking at this wrong. Perhaps over the weekend, a lot of these high profile bans were overturned and that people are only now just finding out when they go and actually check various accounts to see if they've been unlocked. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, it's like Twitter's just not making a big deal about it. They're just changing some of their protocols and bringing people back on who shouldn't have been banned in the first place. Now, seems the like one the thing right that I go. do have to say is interesting, though, is it does seem like, and by the way, Savannah Hernandez have says that would definitely be on my list. Carpe Doncum, so many people on my list mm -hmm. uh, that I'd like to be brought back. But one thing I do have to say, though, is, and we should talk about the fact that he has said that he doesn't want to bring back Elon, or uh, excuse me, Elon has said that he doesn't want to bring back Alex Jones. And the mm -hmm. reason for that is it pertains to Sandy Hook. And we've only got a couple of minutes left here, Libby, but he had a very emotional response. And he talked about his own firstborn son dying. He said, if Alex Jones exploits the death of a child, I've been through the death of the child. That is just too much for me. And not to obviously get into that, but it does strike me, though, that that seemed like a personal decision. That seemed like a decision that was based on his own personal feelings. And that kind of gets me to the point where I'm thinking, you know, at this point, Twitter, it's not so much that Twitter has direct policies right now. We have a king. <laughs> Twitter has a monarch, <laughs> basically. Right. I, I saw Will Chamberlain post that. And that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, I think that I think that you're right. I don't think that Elon Musk should allow his personal feelings to get in the way of who's being reinstated. I think free speech absolutism is exactly that. And one thing I think that a lot of people forget is that Alex Jones has apologized repeatedly for the comments that he made. Um, and I think that everyone gets a gets a chance at redemption. And uh, that should apply to Alex Jones as well.
No, I couldn't agree more, Libby. And that's what Christianity is all about. Atonement, getting a second chance. But since we have to talk about the fact that this country is becoming anti-Christian and anti-conservative, we have to talk about the building and the institution of a parallel economy. And what does that mean? All across the country, Americans are discovering that if we want to change this nation, we must change the way the marketplace works. Woke corporations are seeking to divide us. Big banks are freezing the accounts of people who disagree with their political views. And our supply chain is dependent on countries that actively work against our values. It's time for a change. And that change starts with you and your wallet. That's why I am proud to partner with Public Square, the largest directory of freedom-loving businesses our nation has ever seen. Public Square is the first app to connect freedom-loving Americans with their local community and the businesses that share your values. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against the COVID mandates, or a bank that would never cancel you for your political views, Public Square is your guide. Just download the Public Square app from the Apple App Store or Google Play, create a free account, begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can find you today. Download the app today, Public Square, that's Public SQ. Be right back more, Libby Emmons. Disney. Leaked internal documents obtained by journalist Christopher Rufo show that Walt, the Walt Disney Corporation pushing critical race theory and a new Maoist re-education program forcing employees to parrot divisive dogma about white fragility and internalized racism. Disney's trying to brainwash its workers to support defunding the police, participate in reparations, and to decolonize their bookshelf. The whole thing, of course, is marinated in a corrosive anti-Americanism. And as we make clear every time we talk about this, we do believe there is racial injustice in this country, but the answer is conservative ideas like school choice and strong families that actually deliver more equal opportunity for Americans of every race. Meanwhile, we confront this hateful, wokest ideology, the culmination, as we've shown you, of a hundred-year effort to undermine faith, family, and culture. It has taken over corporate America. The question is, how do we best fight back? So Disney just announced that they are getting rid of their current CEO and chairman, uh, Bob Chapek, and they're bringing back Bob Iger. They're bringing back Bob Iger. Now, some people out there have said, oh, this is great because Disney now, they're making a turn against wokeness. They're, they're going back to just the basics. They're going to make everything good again. Here's the problem. Bob Iger is an ultra leftist. Bob Iger is the same guy who put Disney on this trajectory when he originally put Kathleen Kennedy and all the people that he did in front in charge of number one, Star Wars, and then eventually Marvel. And there was a great line from Bounding Into Comics earlier today that I've got to bring up. The great guys at Bounding Into Comics, make sure that you go and check those out after you've read your post-millennial, after you've read your humanevents.com. Go over to Bounding Into Comics every once in a while because they're great when it comes to this, uh, the pop culture. And what does it say? They're rehiring the architect of their problems, ultra-leftist Bob Iger, as Bob Chappick is out. And what did they write? The Walt Disney Company has been committing seppuku over the last decade or so under the leadership of both Iger and Chappick. The company went out and purchased male-oriented brands in Lucasfilm and Marvel and turned them into female-oriented brands, driving away customers both at the box office and in retail purchases. And look, I got to say it, 
right? There is a reason, and 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 Libby, you know, I want to get your take on this as well, but I'm just going to say it, and, I, and if people get mad when I bring this up. I am raising my kids without Star Wars. Star Wars is not welcome in our house. Star Wars is not something that we watch. We don't turn it on. We don't have any paraphernalia. We don't have any of the, uh, the merchandise, the movies, anything. If it comes on, we turn it right off. When we're walking through the store, my four-year-old will see it, and he walks right past it because he has no connection to it whatsoever. And honestly, because they injected so much wokeness, and remember Kathleen Kennedy, you're with her, the force is female stuff. Um, no, I'm sorry. I, I don't want my kids to be involved in that. And I don't know if there's more parents like me out there, but I do think that you've certainly seen this in the retail side. You've seen it in park attendance. You've seen it in a number of obviously the box office issues. People are turning away from Star Wars. They're already starting to turn away from the MCU as well because they've turned these in. And, and I think this is key. They've made them female centric when they were originally male centric. Yeah, what they've really done is taken some really good properties that, um, you know, were the bedrock of American Hollywood entertainment, and they have turned them into propaganda. It's not even so much that they have replaced male heroes with female heroines. It's that they have done so in service to an ideology and not in service to storytelling at all. So the stories are boring. They are bland. They are so clearly there to just prop up an agenda and a political perspective. They're not there in service to any kind of good narrative or classical storytelling that actually is compelling and fascinating. If you're going to replace a male lead with a female lead, you can't just graft a male storyline over the female um, character. It just doesn't work. Women's stories are different. There's nothing wrong with that. They are not lesser stories because they are different, but they are simply different. And if you're going to tell a female-led narrative, it has to be derived from her personal story and from that character. So by just making these transformations, it's a, you know, it's a propagandist move. It's and, not based on narrative you... or character development. You had a, a specifically you were working on a piece, if I remember correctly, about Snow White, uh, some some yeah. what is this, the live action Snow White that they're talking about? What, what's going on? Yeah. So there was an actress. I forget her name because the whole project is so clearly pointless and bad that I doubt I'll ever why. see it. Yeah. But she was talking about how the new Snow White is going to be about how Snow White gets power and she's not going to be just waiting around for some prince to come save her and of course a new snow white that gains power that's the wicked queen that's who the wicked queen is the wicked queen is there is she embodies mm. you know the 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 quest for power and domination at any cost and the old snow white i'm not talking about the grimm's fairy tale necessarily which was different but the um the disney snow white is about prioritizing love it's about prioritizing family it's about taking care of each other and that is, of course, what so many of the Disney stories in the 20th century were about. They told us that it's okay and good and real and, and fulfilling to prioritize love and family and communion with each other um, and with our, you know, with our family, as I said. So this new, uh, this new brand of Disney is just going to lead children down a path to lives that have absolutely no fulfillment or connection with their fellow human beings. And that's a shame. You know, that's a great point, though, that you make that it's it's we're told 
everything must be a quest for power. So women must be on a quest for power. Men must be on a quest for power. No one must be on a quest for love. No one must be on a quest for family. Uh, those things are, are if anything, you saw this in Frozen, by the way, right? You know, all the male character, I talk about this all the time. All the male characters in Frozen are either in the way or they're bad or they're stupid. And it, it's just the power of Elsa and her uh, relationship with her sister, right? That makes it a story worth telling. Okay, there's no search for love. There's no even in, there's no love interest in it. It's almost like it's treated as something that shouldn't be sought after, and that it's it's sort of like a deconstruction. The whole thing is deconstruction when it comes down to it, because in deconstructing these issues, you're deconstructing the traditional values that make our society. Last mm -hmm. word, Ruby Evans. Yeah, no, they want to destroy the nuclear family. They want to destroy our hearts and souls, and they want to make us cogs in the capitalist machine, just churning out our labor and trying to find fulfillment in money and power. And uh, it's just not there. It does, it's just not there. We know that. No, it's, uh, that that's so that insightful, though, giving her that it's that it, by making Snow White be on a quest for power, it's actually giving her the Wicked Queen's plot line rather than Snow White's plot line, because what is Snow White other than someone who seeks love? That's the whole point of the story. Um, you, I, I'm sure you could see this with with pretty much all of them, but right, Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And folks, this is what we've been talking about. Okay, so Disney's not going to change just because Bob Iger's coming in now. Disney's not going to go away from the wokeness. They're they're playing a game. They want you to think that things are changing when in actuality they never will. Here today because I am very much in support of saving babies. Um, when I was much younger, I made the choice, which I don't really feel it was a choice because I was only 13, so it wasn't a choice. But I was driven to a place like this and I aborted my child. And then a year later, at 14, I was driven to a place like this and I aborted another child. A couple years later, my sister got pregnant at 14 and she was told, you're gonna go see the same doctor Trina went sister said no I will not kill my baby and to this day we're both middle-aged women now my sister has children and grandchildren and at Christmas time her table in her house is full I buried my mom two years ago and I was by her bedside when she died and all of my sisters we were around her when my time comes my babies aren't gonna be there and I just I know that's selfish I hate to even think of it like that and I've regretted it for a long time but as I get older the more the older I get the more I regret that I won't even call it a decision because I was, I didn't know I had a choice. Nobody told me you have the choice to keep your baby. It was like, you're going to the clinic and you're going to do this. And I did it. I later found out that the gentleman that I was pregnant by at the time, he's an older man as well. He has not had children as far as I know. I've looked him up and I don't see any children in his life either. So there's missing people. My babies would be 36 and 37 and um, they're just not here. So what I want to say to especially black people, if black lives matter, then black babies' lives matter as well. I'm holding this picture, and this is true. I'm for all babies. Stuff to watch. And there's a story that crossed our desk when we were doing show prep this morning. It was actually an op-ed from a therapist who came out with, in, and this is, uh, Sophia Corso wrote it up for The Federalist, that yes, post-abortive women do suffer from trauma and quote, complicated grief. And according to a study in the British Journal of Psychiatry, 
an analysis of research on almost 1 million women, 877,000 women, 163,000 of them had experienced abortion and concluded that post-abortive women were 81% more likely to struggle with mental health issues. And we're not talking about people that are necessarily pro-life advocates or religious people, but at the same time, people who experience trauma following abortion, just like you heard there. Libby, what's your take on this? This is an issue you follow closely. I found that video absolutely devastating to watch. And I really, my heart goes out to that woman and her, um, the people who are missing from her table. I just think that that's, uh, that's gotta be excruciating for her. And I have the utmost respect for her in um, fighting to save the lives of other unborn children. We know from data that's been collected, there's incomplete data in the US because a lot of states don't report their data on abortions um, by race or some states don't really report their data at all. But there uh, is evidence to suggest that the largest number of women who undergo abortions are black mothers. And uh, when we talk about Black Lives Matter, that woman is exactly right. Black lives matter, black babies matter. And it's really a crime that uh, black women in this country are told that they are not fit to be mothers. And um, of course, women, <laughs> black women are fit to be mothers. I think that it's it's wild and crazy that when we hear the discourse from politicians about abortion, they are basically talking to black women who are the most of the abortions in this country. Um, Yeah, truly devastating. I think another piece that we don't talk about is the lives of men who are impacted by abortion. I've known uh, liberal men in my life whose partners, whose wives in a few cases have had abortions and they're in, you know, loving marriages and the women have gone to have abortions and the men and their, you know, their the fathers have not felt that they had an opportunity to say no, they have and felt this that is, it's not their place. This is actually a huge deal in terms of this question and it's something Cassie J gets into in her documentary, The Red Pill, that under current standing abortion law in the United States, there is no recourse for the men, for the fathers. Mm-hmm. There's no recourse right. whatsoever. So everyone talks about, of course, the woman's right to choose. And, and, and I get where they're coming from in that and because it's the woman who has the, the pregnancy, obviously, but what about the father whose child yeah. is? And there's yeah. no, what do you go to the judge and get an injunction? You'd be laughed out of court, right? It's just not, yeah. we have no jurisprudence for it whatsoever. There's no recourse. There's no legal recourse. And these men do experience grief because their children have been killed and they won't have the opportunity to be fathers to those children. I've spoken specifically to men who have been in my life um, who've said, you know, Libby, I don't, Feel like I even have a right to grieve this, but I'm incredibly sad about this, and I wish she had had my baby. And I've said to them, "Yeah, you have to grieve this, of course. You know, there's no way forward without going through the grieving process here." And they basically feel that you know they've felt that they don't have that opportunity. And in most of these cases that I'm discussing, the relationships did not last, and the men went on to you know be with somebody else. I don't think, and I could be wrong about this. Maybe I'm you know too idealistic and romantic, but I don't think that there's a woman out there who, if a man said to her, baby, you're pregnant with my baby, this is exceptional news. I know I've been running around and I'm not a great guy, but I want to support you and I want to have our baby together. 
and I want to bring up this family and I love you. And this is beautiful. I don't think there's a woman out there who would say, you know what? Thanks for the opera of stability, love and happiness, but I'm going to go do something else now and kill my baby. I don't know that there's a lot of women who wouldn't just say, yeah, I'm on board. Let's do this. Let's, let's make a family. Let's have a fulfilling life. We were so, so Tanya, um, Having not grown up in the U.S., and we, we've only got a minute left here, but just real quick, we were so she hasn't seen a lot of like the '80s, '90s movies that we all grew up with, and we we were watching Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and I totally forgot that there's a whole abortion subplot in that movie where one of the girls who's out there having casual sex with some of the men in her high school class gets pregnant, goes and gets an abortion, uh, lies to her brother about it, and it's it's treated as just sort of a uh, it's a subplot in the film and then everybody goes back to dating at the end and it's like everyone's just laughing and you're in the middle of a comedy as if, oh, that's just what you do. And it, it feels like for a long time in this country, that's just how it was treated. Oh, it's just something that you do, something that you take care of. And there's no traumatic impact on either party uh, as depicted in this Hollywood movie. Yet that's not really the case in reality, is it? Yeah, no, that's not the case at all. I've also known many women who have had abortions because they were coerced into it by their partners in some cases as well, married partners who have said, you know, that they don't want to have children. And so the women have gone on to have abortions and have fully regretted those choices and wished that they had not, um, wished that they had not, wished that they had kept their children and raised them. Yeah. And not to add too much on, on too much of a down note, but, but Libby, I think this is, this is important. And I think it's, and I'm glad in a sense, at least that so many women and men at this point are finally speaking out against this because if conservatives want to start to move the needle, and we have been, we need to make a place for the women to come forward. Libby Evans of The Post Millennial, thank you so much for joining us today. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, you have my permission to lay ashore.